2: Hey everyone, Yas here and I just wanted to say it's great to have you join me today because I'm sure we're going to have another fantastic episode. So whether you're here for the first time or if you're one of the repeat loyal listeners of the show, I truly appreciate you. But before we get to today's guest, I just have a small favour to ask and that's if you could just take a brief moment to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Ensure that you share it with all your coaching friends and don't forget to get in touch guys. Let me know your thoughts on what you think of today's episode or any of the recent episodes you've listened to. You can do this on Twitter at The Coaches Net. Once again, that's at The Coaches Net. And please make sure you do, as I'd love to hear your thoughts, guys. Anyway, on to today's show. I hope you enjoy it. Have a great day, guys. The Coaches Network. Hey, guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas and I've got a very special guest for me today. My guest today is Dean Thornton. Evening Dean, how are you man?
3: Hello Yes. how are you mate, UK? You okay?
2: Yeah, very well thank you. I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, Dean, just before we get into the thick of the conversation, uh, maybe just give a brief insight around who you are, what you do, and we'll go from there.
3: No problem. My uh, name is Dean Thornton and I'm 35 years old. And I'm currently the first team goalkeeper coach at Swansea City in the English Championship.
2: Amazing, amazing, Dean. I'm going to take you right back to your humble beginnings. Um, where did you first get involved in coaching, and what was it about coaching in particular that kind of drafted you into the into this industry? Uh,
3: I'll be honest. <clears throat> it come uh, it come out of absolute nowhere. Um, I'd just uh, been released from playing, so I played uh, for QPR and I played for Wickham. Uh, I got released at 19, um, and my coach, uh, that was at QPR at the time, uh, Steve Gallen, um, was actually the academy manager, still at QPR. Um, he found that I got released uh, from Wickham, um, and he just said, look, um, I'm looking for a goalkeeper coach. Um, it's, it's something that you'd be interested in. Um, <clears throat> I never thought about goalkeeper coaching in my life. I'd just been released as a player. Um, I had enough of a plan, in all honesty. I uh, found I f- thought it wasn't for me in the long term up. I picked up too many injuries, and it was sort of me done sort of thing. So, um, just out of nowhere, I got the the chance to go back to QPR, where I'd been as a kid. Um, There was still a lot of uh, familiar faces there, which helped. Um, And I got thrown in pretty much straight away. um, Started coaching at nineteen, and sixteen years later, I'm I'm still in the game. So I'm obviously doing okay as as we speak. Touch wood.
2: Awesome. (laughs) But obviously, quite interesting. Obviously, you started off as a player. obviously there's a lot of discussions that do take place around whether that's a you know of benefit to coaches going into their journeys you you also mentioned that you know coaching wasn't really on the agenda for you so you know going into it at that point there you know was coaching ever discussed at any point you know prior to that
3: no it wasn't like I obviously I had all my my coaches managers um I was lucky that when I signed for for QPR as an eight-year-old I had a goalie coach. Um, I never knew I had what like a previous goalkeeper coach in the past, Obviously, come through grassroots football, um, and it's just something that I thought. You know what? I don't really know where I am in terms of my life right now. Um, I was 19. Um, I knew long term, uh, it was football wasn't going to be for me as a player. Uh, so pretty much was like, where where do I go? Um, luckily, QPR offered me the a part time role to start with. Uh, so that was um, overse- overseeing the Academy Goalkeepers um, and then through working at QPR, I got offered a job with uh, one of the coaches at QPR that owns his own coaching company that works in schools. So I sort of put that two together to to bring an income in basically. Um, and then as, as time evolved, um, I think I'd done four years part time at QPR, um, the EPP program came in. So a lot of, uh, a lot of jobs were created. Um, and I think it might have just been right place, right time, or um, obviously they like the work I was doing with the, the goalkeepers at the club that I got offered the the full time role of uh, head academy goalkeeper coach. Um, so, yeah, like I said, in football, you you sometimes do need a little bit of luck, right place, right time. And fortunate for me, um, I was in it. Um, I lived and breathed QPR as a, as a young kid anyway. Um, I didn't support them. I supported Everton growing up, but... I did have a, a big affiliation with QPR. Um, <clears throat> I decided to leave, actually, as a player. I left at under-12s when I got offered another, the new two-year contract. And it's the biggest regret I, I ever made as a player. Um, but going back, again, like I said earlier, seeing familiar faces that people that I've been with 10 years ago uh, still work, and I thought, you know what, this could be the right place for me moving forward. Um, and like I said, someone like Steve Gallen, who's currently the, the Sporting Director at Child Athletic. Um, massive, massive influence on, on my career. I can't thank him enough for, for what he'd done to me uh, growing up as a young kid, obviously in managing me as an under 10 year old at QPR to being my manager again as the academy manager. Um, and he sort of gave me license to to run with it. Um, when I first got the the part-time role, um, I was told about a young goalkeeper that um, they thought really highly of. Um, and literally my first session going in, I got pretty much told, look, this, this lad could be very good. Um, and by the way, there's a lot of clubs looking at him. Um, so you need to sort of be on your toes. So that was like fronting the deep end straight away. Uh, I got to his name was Liam O'Brien. He still plays now, but he, he ended up getting a move to, to Ports for the time that were in the Premier League for, I think quite a bit of money. Um, he ended up playing for England, I think 17s, 18s. So literally one of the first goalkeepers I ever worked with only for a couple of weeks, um, got, got a big move. So I thought, you know what, maybe being a bit sorry, still sore throat still. Maybe in my head thinking, um, I've cracked this as a coach. I've already got one moved on or a big money signed to the Premier League. This is easy. Um, Obviously, it's not that easy. Uh, So yes, for for me, obviously that's that worked with the part time role was going in overseeing uh, all the keepers ranging from under sevens all the way up to even 18. So I was working with uh, players that were. Two years younger than me, um, which obviously at the time is can uh, kind be of a bit strange. Obviously, the players looking at you thinking, "I think I used to play against this lad like literally about 18 months ago." Um, so that was obviously the hardest fit for me. When you're when you're a young coach at a, at a proper club, a professional club, um, you're always going to be tested um, because obviously you're working with really really good players. So if the session isn't correct or they don't think you're at it as a coach, I think obviously you get you get highlighted. Um, but luckily for me. Um, it's what I've been doing. Seems to have worked. And like I said, I'm 16 years later. I'm um, I'm still in the game. Touch wood. So yeah, all good so far.
2: Amazing, <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a lot to unpack in there. You know, I'll start well, by obviously you mentioned that You know, you're going in, working with that goalkeeper who's obviously high potential. Um, there's going to be a lot of people listening to this that probably haven't got much experience working with goalkeepers. What does a high potential goalkeeper look like?
3: Cool. That's a, that's a tough question to get straight. Uh, throwing straight into. Um, again, it depends on the philosophy of the club. Um, for me personally, I always look for someone that is very open and very good with their feet. Um, that's because that's the way I, I like to play. Every, every coach has their own style, but for me um, they have to be very, really, really good with their feet. And this comes with the basics, where obviously they're naturally a good shot stopper, um, very good dealing with crosses, um, very aggressive, dealing with 1v1s very agile obviously sports science now in the games kicked on in the last 15 20 years where when i played uh, i never had a sports science coach so i knew that from from my side that i could have done a lot better with that but having that um having that skill set at the time i I didn't have um so now that the modern day goalkeeper they're they're absolute monsters like physically they're they're specimens um years ago everyone used to say you've got to be Six foot five, and that's that's the role of goalie. The, the goalie's changed. Um, I'm five foot ten max, uh, so I'm always a little bit biased when people say I oh, have to be six foot five. You don't. Um, you have to be good enough in the game, effective. That's the the role of a the goalkeeper. Um, for me, the best ones now. You look how much the games evolved from from 10, 15 years ago to people like David Raya. Is um, at Brentford in the Premier League. Then got called up to the World Cup. Six foot, six foot one, but as a goalkeeper, so effective in, in the way he moves around the goal, uh, so effective dealing with crosses, he's, he's very aggressive. Um, so they're sort of the keepers that, that I've seen in the recent years where I go, do you know what, that's not kind of the model that that I want to work off. Um, currently, the keepers I've got at Swansea right now, um, two absolute different animals. I've got Stephen Bender, who's six foot five, but he's just an absolute monster physically. Uh, and then I've got Andrew Fisher, that's six foot two. Um, and a complete different be- uh, build to Stevie, but um, again, agile-wise, uh, speed-wise, uh, he ticks a lot of boxes. And obviously, the way we play as a club, uh, he ticks them boxes. But Stephen Bender this year um, has shown how good he is now uh, with his feet, especially. He's, he's kicked on a lot, and there's no real surprise that I've seen. I see on social media, and obviously, I see bits and pieces that he's now getting li- uh, linked with, with Premier League clubs. Um, and that's that's because of his work and his, his desire to to kick on. So it's um, going back to your, your question you asked for it's it's one of working with people that want to want to improve themselves. You always you always hear quotes and what people want to hear, but like um, they say about if uh, talent don't uh, work hard enough, uh, it's, it's so true. Um, you can the talent just gets you through the door. That's all it does. It gets you through the door, uh, and it's about the, the top players want to want to carry on progressing as, as individuals but also as players uh, and that's why you see players now coming out of league two and league one that end up having a really good career in the premier league um, there are top top players out there uh, but it's all about having the adaptability to obviously one as a person improve but two when you when you get the opportunity you you've got to grab it with both hands so for me when I look at goalkeepers now it's about um having a one-to-one conversation with them and getting a feel of them to see where where they think they are. Are they humble enough to recognise what they're good at, what they need to work on? Um, but it's creating a, a an environment and a culture that is refreshing for everyone. There's I've been in environments where you go into work every day, and um, it's not always um, how do I put this without swearing. <laughs> it's not always great. Um, but there's it's 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 important that when you go into work. You have a, an environment, you know every day you're got to try and make a difference to that goalkeeper and that goalkeeper's going to help you back. Where sometimes you're going to environments where it's not like that, and that's, that's just football. Um, but again, it's just part of uh, your procedure as a coach and, and how you learn in different environments, different situations. Um, I think I've grown in the last five years as a coach more than I have in the previous 10. Uh, and that's just from being in different situations, working with uh, different players. Obviously, I've been lucky enough to... To work in the championship now with some some really, really good players. And like I said, I'm still only 35. And there's players that are um, a year or two younger than me. Um, so in the last yeah. five years I've I've learned a lot as a as a coach um, working with these kind of players. Again, again, I've
0: uh, so much
2: to just that you uh, think uh, that development pieces come more from sure you in age? Because obviously you talked about you know becoming a young coach yourself. We've seen certainly in the last like 10, 15 years. Maybe the age in which coaches are starting their journeys has become a lot lower. Has become a lot younger, um, and then there's maybe that naivety that once they get, especially especially in academy football, where what you've seen. Is I've seen a lot of younger coaches as well that feel like almost they've stepped into the academy environment and they've kind of made it. They feel like,
4: yeah.
2: what you know, what what was that like for you? Obviously, when you first started coaching. Um, so looking looking
3: back now, yes, or like. Um... I think, as a person, I'm I'm really honest anyway with the people I work with. Um, looking back how I was when I first started, say, two, three years into the journey uh, as a part-time coach and then maybe a year or two into the, the full-time role at QPR, uh, personally I know that I probably thought I cracked it in terms of I knew everything about goalkeeping, I knew everything about what they need right now at the time, um, and looking back now, I, I know that I was miles off it. Um, So I remember when sports science obviously first come into the game and sports science sort of took over at the time where the players can only do this at a certain amount of time. They can only train for this amount of time. Uh, And I used to have um, wars every day with a sports scientist saying, well, have you ever played in goal? And their answer was no. And I said, well, how do you know what he needs him? Um, Looking back now, like the coach or the sports science coach had a lot more expertise than I did in that field. Um, So I knew then that I needed to change. now, as a 35-year-old, um, f- hopefully, the sports scientists at Swansea say that I have changed. Um, but yeah, I know that when I first was in the in the environment as a, a young goalie coach, it was these are my goalkeepers and you don't do anything with them. That's just they're with me. Um, now it's got to be for the benefit of of everyone, whether it's sports science, whether it's the the manager. Obviously, the manager's the the most important person in the club. He, he makes decisions, but. Um, obviously, the other aspects as well, whether it's um, working with psychologists, obviously the physios, uh, nutritionists, um, you've got to be really open. You've got to be really adaptable, um, especially when the higher up you go. If I, uh, if you're lucky enough to work in the Premier League, I know that some players have their own chefs. Um, so if it's a goalkeeper and you've don't know, you never met this chef before and he's feeding your player whatever, when he goes away, but the goalkeeper's not performing, um, naturally people might turn around and go, How, well, what, what are you doing with your goal then? You're thinking, well, have I'm actually made sure I know exactly what he's doing, um, but it has to be that trust element. And I think where where goalkeeper coaches are different um, it is a little bit more one on one. Obviously, the the numbers in the groups, seniors for example, you're probably working with four tops, four four keepers in the session. Uh, obviously, the outfield coaches they're working with maybe twenty or twenty five players, uh, so there is a bit more one to one element of the of the case. Uh, I think you have a lot more trust with the players. Um, but for a coach, I know that where I was when I first started to where I am now. I'd like to say that I've evolved. I'd like to say I'm a lot better. Um, but I'd definitely say, uh, honestly, that I've I've opened up a lot more uh, and I'm more acceptable to what people say and their opinion. Uh, and of course, you value it because you're you're working for the same goal.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, just on that, then it's obviously you know from my own experiences. I know that when I worked in academy football, in particular. Um, for me, it was like, well, I haven't worked here before, so there's going to be things' to, I'm going to want to learn and develop. and it could, it, it almost was it, it was a situation where it could it couldn't not make sense that actually we've got all these experts in the room. Why are we not using them? And obviously, you mentioned there that you know early on in your journey, it was almost like very territorial. <clears throat> was there a particular moment where that shifted for you where, where something happened or something you know something was sparked in you because you know i guess you don't just change your mindset without something happening first if that makes sense
3: yeah i think um i think what changed was um when the when maybe not the e but we, um more courses come available so i had gone from playing to coaching a qpr straight away as a 19 year old without actually going on a course then i got told right you need to, your your level two um because obviously the level one I've done when I was a, a YTS player. So then you get to a level two and then you get to meet people. Um, and then like as you progress through your through your coaching badges, like um, my my goalkeeper A, for example, um, I was the youngest on it, I believe, but then I had people like Martin Markson, who's the England goalie coach. Um I had people like Ben Roberts, who's now the the first team goalkeeper coach at Chelsea, just left Brighton to go there. Um, Sal Bebo that worked at Reading and was currently at Arsenal. Um, So from experience, I think, um, again, I think I I was really lucky that QPR were brilliant with me with my my coaching badges in relation to if I said I needed to go on a course, they they would do it straight away. Um, So the people that I got to know and got to meet um, were or had a lot more experience that I'd had in the role. Um, and then as you go out scouting, as you go out to watch games, meet people, um, even like, for example, you go to watch Redden at the time uh, and Sal Bieber, who's for me, was is a great, great goalkeeper coach. Um, he'd see you and come over and spend time with you. And at the time, I'd maybe been about 23, 24. But Sal's obviously produced so many, so many goalkeepers. Uh, Tony Roberts, another one, obviously the Wolves first team goalkeeper coach. like. I'm lucky that these people know i can ring first hand on my phone send them a message uh, and they get back to you um so i think it's spending time with people like that for me uh where i realized oh actually like i'm nowhere near where i think i am um, and i think that's where you go back to the club and you you re-evaluate where you are um again going back to steve Gallon. steve Gallon um always kept me on my toes in terms of he was honest with me all the time and i think that's because i had obviously a relationship before with Steve, um, but he always, if I ever felt I got above my station, uh, Steve would swiftly put me back in my place. Um, but again, it's always linked to, to culture and environment. If the environment's right and the culture's right, um, you should have a, hopefully, a successful career as a, a coach player or just a successful for the club, whether it's getting promoted to the Premier League or if you're standing in the Premier League. Um, so again, its I think that's when it first happened for me where you go on courses and you meet people and you realise like he's that fellow there for example had 500 league games as a coach and I've had none at the time and you're thinking okay well maybe what he is saying is not a gospel because everything's everything different Uh, it's always horses for courses Um, but yeah I think maybe when we first started taking the the coaching badges from George's Park you realise actually like there are people here with a lot more knowledge than myself. And that's where, as a coach, you have to look yourself in the mirror and go, okay, right, this has got to change, or I need to need to be adaptable.
2: So look, looking back now, then obviously when you first start your coaching journey, what kind of practices we delivering? was stuff that maybe that you'd been experienced as a player in the past, and how did that start to transition? Where did you, you know, where have you where have you kind of ended up now? Obviously now working in the first team environment, where you know the, the argument would be maybe that actually there's, there's probably not as much room for technical development. Of course, there's obviously things you can refine and polish up. You know where, where does the attentional focus go in terms of your sessions now?
3: Yes, yeah, so I think obviously when I when I first started, it was obviously myself getting to know the role as a coach where you are never really f- fully... Um, I think the first experience I had as a coach was you've got 12 goalkeepers, you've got an under 8 who's youngest and the oldest is 16 and by the way, you've got an 18-yard box to work in. So that was obviously the first challenge to go, oh, hang on. So then you're thinking, they don't they don't wanna use the same footballs. So you've got to work out that. You've got to work out who can, because obviously at seven, eight years old, they can't strike it as well as a ten or eleven year old. So that was the first time you think, wow, like as a coach front the deep end now. Um <clears throat> so that's the an area you go, Okay, right, so this is how they work. This is what I used to do. This is what I think right. So I used to when I first started right, you plan your session, um, and I'll be honest, when I first started, it was purely what I used to do and what I thought was I enjoyed. Um, now, obviously, there's a lot more. I'm lucky that people that are all over the club. You've got analysts now. You've got everything that you possibly need. If I need to find a clip of, for example, we play QPR actually this Saturday. Uh, if I need to find out um, the last 10 goals that QPR have scored, have scored I can obviously look at myself on on platforms like Scout and other bits. But I can also speak to the analyst and go, um, Ben, I need these last 10 goals. Uh, So, a working week, um, you know, it's a Saturday to Saturday to game, I'll work, uh, Monday will be a recovery day for the the one that played, so they'll come out and it'll literally be a little bit of footwork handling and then they'll go and recover with the sports science boys and the physios and whatever they need. Uh, So then it'll be a top-up for the lads that haven't played, the other three goalkeepers, so they'll have a, I wouldn't say a a tough session in terms of, um, they'll be absolutely blowing, but it'll be... Maybe a little bit of technique for the ones that uh, are the younger ones of the group, so the 21, 22 year olds, uh, just to refine where they are. Uh, and then Tuesday, Wednesday will be the physical load for for us as a group. Uh, so they'll, they'll get their uh, or their their repetition in terms of dives, in their load, um, how much power they've used, jumping, etc. Uh, Thursday is normally a down day for, for them and then Friday is a match prep day. Uh, so obviously you're working on the opposition. Um, but again, even Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm feeding off... Uh, what the opposition do, whether it's the, the type of goals they score, uh, the type of crosses that come in, um, or even, you still as a coach, you still work off your eye, you still work off what you think that player needs. Um, for example, if I think Sting Ben needs to work more on his feet, I might adapt the, the warm-up or the first part of the session for his feet, where, years ago, it literally was, right, here's a warm-up, uh, and it could be a jog, uh, and then it's straight into to volleys or straight into shooting. Um, now you're you're trying to break everything down as much as you can where you're trying to link it to what they're then going to do with the outfield players um where before i think years and years ago when i first started it was right what are you doing i'm going to do this tonight what are you doing i will doing this and i think it was not maybe linked as it, it should have been then uh, but now uh, everything's planned to a T. I, I i know already for the next two weeks what we'll, we're we'll working on as a club um and again with. When you're working in first team environment, is a little bit different because it's unfortunately it is results based. As much as your performance is the most important part, um, the lifespan of a manager is say 15 to 18 months. Uh, and if you're part of that backroom staff, uh, the higher up you go, the more chances you've got getting sacked. So again, um, as you say, it's maybe not as much coaching as you want sometimes. It's maybe more managing, um, but you're always looking to improve your goalkeeper. So, like I said, I'm, I'm really lucky with my group that um, both of them are 24, the first two seniors, uh, and then you've got the 221s the goalkeepers that, that come into our four. Uh, so really it is a, a young group in terms of where they are as, as people, but also as goalkeepers. Uh, and I'm lucky that, as I said earlier, the culture of for them, uh, they, they want to improve all the time. Uh, they want to learn where maybe if you're working with a, a goalkeeper my age, 34, 35, uh, they don't want to learn as much anymore because they, they come to the end of their career. Uh, but with Stephen and Fish for example um, they're always looking to improve, they're always looking to work on their part of the game um, if you tell them to, to, you need to work on this they'll do it. If you tell them you need to work hard in the gym, they they do it. So I'm, I'm really lucky in the, in the current group that I've got but I'm also lucky in the, the environment that, that Russell Martin and Matt Gill and people like that have set.
2: You've mentioned a few times around the idea of you know, sports science in the physical performance teams. And, you know, the word that kind of really jumps out for me for, throughout what a lot of what you've said is collaboration. Historically, you know, we know some of the challenges that goalkeeping coaches face, or rather the integration piece. Yeah, what, yeah. what 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 does that look like for you? And, you know, especially as an early earlier on in your journey, did you find there was almost like a, I'm sure we've all experienced it in some way, shape or form, it's a segregation to an extent.
3: Uh, yeah, it's definitely improved. It's definitely improved. It used to be um, you've got 15 goalkeepers, for example. Um, <clears throat> here's the worst balls out of the lot. Uh, here's the worst area you can work in. Uh, for example, <clears throat> where QPI is trained at Harlington, I was always in the area that had the, the least light, um, working in the evenings. Um I was lucky that the coaches that I worked with all the way through, I, I think I had a good relationship with them. Um, so they would shout when they need their goalkeeper. You're putting on a session, and ten minutes in, sometimes the the under fourteen might get told he needs to go over, uh, and then sometimes you're you're there for the whole two hours with the the under twelve. Um, now it's definitely more aligned. Um, Speaking first and working with the first team, obviously it's, it's one team, so it's a lot easier. Uh, going back to see the academy, uh, the goalkeeper coaches, it's, I'd say it's still, it's not the same, but it's, oh, we need the goal after half hour and after 15 minutes they might call them in. So you've got to be adaptable. You've definitely got to be adaptable as a coach, uh, as a goalkeeper coach especially, because there's players coming out of your group into others.
2: Just on that, then, though, is there any point that we, as a goalkeeper coach, you, think you think might turn around and say, well, actually, no, we need our 30 minutes or we need our 40 minutes that we agreed on.
3: Uh, I've had arguments in the past, yeah. (laughs)
2: Um,
3: And you can speak to the coaches that I work with. I'm definitely one for voicing my opinion, Um, good and bad. Um, But yeah, um, if you get told you've got 40 minutes with a a goalkeeper, um, you should get that 40 minutes, I think. Like if the outfield players say they need their outfield players for an hour, I don't think many goalkeeper coaches will go over and go, I need the centre forward or I need the midfielder. Um, But that's just the the way of uh, the goalkeeper coach and the way of the world in football. Um, But like I said, with with us, we'll have morning meetings, uh, not just about that day, but the the week. Um, So I know nine times out of 10, exactly how many minutes I'm going to get. If I'm going to get an hour, if I'm going to get half hour. uh, Of course, you get the odd bit where they they might get called 10 minutes early. um, But that's where you're adaptable as a coach and you're flexible and you can go, look, do you know what? Um, You can go, but I know I need to do work with the two keepers or whoever it is after. So... But I think we're we're more integrated now as coaches as well, where before, especially in the academy, you were the goalie coach, so you'd probably stand by the goal and you'd watch the the outfield session, where I'm lucky with the the manager, what we've known since I was 15 years old, um, he'd come over to me and say, what's what's your opinion on this? Or recruitment, for example, then what what do you think on this? And it wouldn't just be goalkeepers, it would be outfield players as well. So, of course, naturally, you you go towards the goalkeeper when you're working in a session because you're trying to help them and give them information from our end. But there's always times where the manager and the system manager say to me, look, what, what do you think of this on working with the left winger, for example, or um, if you're working with the the two eights, what do you think on this? So I think um, I speak about culture and environment a lot. Um, and I think it's because where I am now and working with the manager in the last two clubs, I've seen it firsthand where you go into a club and it's, talk about MK Dons now, where you go into a club and it's obviously not where we think it should be as a club, um, to having that pathway where you think you've brought in uh, the right players for that club, the right philosophy, um, and I think it was no coincidence that the manager then got picked up by Swansea, and Swansea obviously took the Mandarin Russell bought the of staff, with him, who, he, who he knows and trusts, and obviously that season at MK Dons, they ended up... Um, Losing the playoffs, or getting right right amongst it, uh, so I've seen it firsthand. And I'm I'm going through the cycle against Swansea, where it is a process. It does take time. Um, if you get the time, which I think we will at Swansea Touchwood, um, I think uh, as a club we'll, we'll definitely move forward uh, and we'll de- definitely develop players. Um, so again, it's having that time, uh, having that time to to progress. Not just as, as a coach, but as people as well. Like I'm still thirty-five. I'm I'm st- Still really young in the game, I probably, I don't know off the top of my head, but I imagine I've probably been the top three or four youngest coaches in the Championship. Um, mm-hmm. So as a coach, I'm, I'm still a baby. Um, even though I've got 16 years experiences working from under eights to, to first team and even international with Taiwan, um, I'm still a baby. I'm still learning. I know where I am as a coach. I'm nowhere near the finished article and that's working with, with players, luckily, like Hudo Cesar, Rob Green at QPR, uh Paddy Kenny people like that. Um I know I'm nowhere near the finished article. Really I'm just starting. So
2: yeah. Just just on that then you know you just take a step back a little bit. What would your advice to be to some of those coaches who are out the listeners, whether they be goalkeeping coaches from a goalkeeping coach perspective about how to maybe um become more integrated into the wider you in, know into the wider team, especially working closely with the outfield coaches. But maybe some considerations from the goalkeep from the outfield coaching perspective of the importance and the how to maybe integrate the goalkeeping coach more effectively.
3: Yeah, I think it's just having that the open dialogue. Like I hear all the time um in academy football or any football, um last last goal is the winner or next goal's winner. As a goalkeeper coach, from a psychological point of view, you're always gonna have one goalkeeper unhappy every session because he's let the goal in. So I've said to to the outfield coach before, why why are we doing last goal? Why don't we do Ten passes. Why don't we do uh, next save wins? Because every session, whether it's grassroots, academy, uh, under twenty ones, um, even first team, next goal's the winner. Well, then, from my point of view, I've then got to deal with a, a goalkeeper that's got the arm because they've let in the goal. So I think that's where you learn the role as a, as a goalkeeper coach, especially, is um, understanding where you are from a five corner model. Um, having that open dialogue with coaches to to express your opinion and honest opinion, uh, but also to to be honest in terms of when they give you their feedback, to to take it on board and go, Do you know, what? okay, right, I get it from from your point of view. So when you're linking it back to starting coaching or getting into coaching, um, I think have a really really open mind um, because you'll you'll be at one club one day and in the the space of 10 minutes, a manager, the first team manager could be sacked and the philosophy changes completely. Even though you've been there two, three years and you, you believe that's the right way of playing, a new manager comes in, they, they might rip up the whole structure of the, the club. Um, so that's where I think you need to be really open. Um, get on the grass as much as you can as a coach, try things. Um, I think the best coaches um, know where they want to be long term. Um, whether you want to be the best under 10 coach in the country and you think you're you're designed for that and that model or if you want to be a first team coach uh, in the Premier League, um, have obviously have an ambition of where you want to be, but I see a lot where I, I've got to do this badge, I've got to do that badge. Why? Why don't you just be an expert in, in your field? Um, I know for me personally, um, I don't ever want to be a manager, ever. Um, I don't ever want to be a first team coach in terms of an outfield coach. I, I just want to work with goalkeepers. And that's where, where I am right now. Um, if you'd asked me that 10 years ago, it would have changed. I'd, I'd never mm-hmm. wanted to come out of academy football. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it does it does change. But again, that's having new ambitions. So, my as a goalkeeper coach, I want to be that expert of that role. In 10, 15 years' time, if I've had the opportunity to obviously continue working with uh, the senior outfield players, I might then. Want to change, but I think it's knowing where you are at that time rather than if you join a club as a new coach, you want to climb that ladder sh- straight away and get being the first team coach in the space of a year. It's never going to happen.
2: 100. I think it's really important cool. cool. you mention it because obviously you know you having your idea of what it is that you want to do, but also having very clear clarity on that as well. And I think for a lot of coaches, sometimes they go into roles thinking, "Oh, I just want to go and progress and progress and progress," and, which which is great, you know, you know, like you said, horses for courses, right? But I think. It's also important to recognise, actually, progression for me might just becoming establishing myself as an expert in this field, yeah. rather than necessarily jumping from one role to another role to another role. You know, presumably, um, progressing up the hierarchical ladder, if you like. Yeah. It, you know, obviously, now you're at, you're working in the first team in the championship. We talked about the start of your journey, looking at you know coming into the academy football and eventually getting that full time role at the QPR. What happens in between that?
3: Yeah, so I spent <clears throat> I spent just over nine years at QPR. Um, I loved it at the club. Um, towards the end, the last, say, year or 18 months, I probably didn't enjoy it as, as much as I could have or should have uh, for a number of different reasons. Um, and then, um, at age 28, I got offered the opportunity to work for Swindon Town. Uh, and at that time, they were League One and it was to go to the first team, to be the first team goalkeeper coach. Um, spoke to a few people at, at QPR and said, like, what, what do you think? Um, and they said, look, if you if you go across now, like, it's a young group anyway at, at Swindon, um, and there's a couple of players that I've worked with previously that are at, at QPR as, as youngsters. Um, and I got told, if you go over now, like, you'll be the youngest goalkeeper coach in the Football League. Um, and I think, naturally, as a, a person, everyone's got an ego. Um, and I said, you know what, like, I fancy that. To be fair, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the jump. Um, and I think if it had been, if we didn't have the last 18 months at QPR as it was, I probably wouldn't have gone. Um, but I decided to make the jump, um, <clears throat> and I think it's the best thing I ever done. Um, in terms of developing as a coach, um, when you're in the academy, um, results, in my opinion, don't matter. Um, again, if you'd asked me that. When I first left QPR I said the opposite, oh, it's all about winning, um, but they don't matter and that's the truth. Um, so then you're competing on a Saturday or a Tuesday night, um, there could be six, seven, eight thousand there, sometimes more, uh, it's all about the three points, so that's where I first obviously learned that side of the game. Um, <clears throat> I was at Swindon for, for two years, I worked with some some brilliant managers, some brilliant players and brilliant people, um, I got to work with obviously Luke Williams, Dave Flitcroft, um, Phil Brown and then I struck up a, a really good relationship with obviously Matty Taylor that had an a incredible career in the Premier League with the likes of uh, Portsmouth, Bolton, West Ham um, and we speak to this day still. Um, and I got the opportunity to, when Dave Flitcroft le- uh, left to go to Mansfield, um, Matty Taylor got the, the caretaker role um, but he was still playing so I actually stepped up and helped him. In that role so i was i think i a been about 30 at the time then um so i've got an opportunity to do that which was which was different uh and then out of the blue one day i was on my way to training during pre-season and the manager from taiwan uh rang me uh, and said look you've been recommended to me by someone i worked with at qpr actually a fellow called david rouse um that was at the time just gone to man city as um working in talent ID for, for them with for the recruitment of goalkeeping. Um, and he said, look, do you, do you fancy being a Taiwan national team goalkeeper coach? And I said off the bat, no, I've, I've got no interest at all. Uh, and he said, OK, well, this is the money. And I said, OK, well, it changes everything. Um, so I literally got told this was a Thursday conversation. Um, he said to me, look, um, if you are interested, we want to take you. So I, I went into work that morning um, Thinking of, if i are honest, thinking of a bit of a prank call, because I've never heard of the manager before. Um, and what he was talking about didn't really add up. Uh, and then I got a phone call again that night to say, have you told Swindon you're leaving? And I said, well, no, like, I've got a notice period with the club. I haven't got anything in writing to say you're offering me a contract. Um, I then got a, an email over. Um, and then on the Friday, I went in to see Phil Brown. And I said, look, I've, I've got an opportunity on, on this. This is the money. Um, what do you think? And I had a really good relationship with Phil, and I still do. And Phil said to me, Look, um, I'd love you to to stay. I understand if you want to leave. And I said, Okay. And he said, Look, you do realise you're a 30 year old that would have coached uh, academy, football league, and now international at 30. And I was like, Okay, I didn't think about it at the time. Um, And he said, Look, if you want to go, I'll let you go. And he said, The only thing I ask for is you take the last pre season game with me tomorrow. And I said, Okay. So I. I did that and on Sunday I flew out to Taiwan um, and if I look back now it's the, probably the worst thing I ever did, it wasn't what I expected, um, luckily I was only there for three months. Um, as I said I had 24 hours to really think about the role, um, obviously coming from England we are a little bit spoiled with the FA in terms of the facilities, with what they offer, uh, the kind of players we work with. Um, Going into Taiwan, Uh, as I got there, uh, straight off the plane, I had to do a coaching session with the players, which is fine. Um, Speaking to the assistant manager that I I got in really well, a fellow called Lou Lancaster, Uh, he then told me there's no professional league in Taiwan. Um, The players are either college players or they, the better players, playing China or Japan or Hong Kong. Um, I was like, okay. Um, So thinking right now, I'm, I'm an international coach, so to speak. I'm thinking right, I'll have a month in Taiwan and then I'll be back home for for six weeks and I'll be back over again for the next camp uh and I thought that's how it work uh, when I got there in uh I think it was August no it was, no, was earlier it was June pre-season got there in June um I got told I told my missus um I'll be back in a month um as I got there they said "Yeah, next time you'll be home is December um so I was like okay so that's six months um so then we went to uh, the Asia Games and competed in uh, Malaysia. I think it was uh, Indonesia. Sorry, went to Indonesia. Uh, was over in Japan for a month as well. Um, but then something never smelt right um, in Taiwan. And um, and this is where, as as coaches, you you need a uh, a little bit of protection in terms of the, the LMA and stuff like that. Um, I got told that there's an election going on in the country, um, <clears throat> and for whatever reason the the government that are in charge are going to lose, and the government are coming in, they're going to appoint a new um, first team manager for Taiwan, um, which I found strange because even before I got there, uh, it's the best run they've ever had, the highest they've ever got in FIFA rankings. So when I got there, I think they won six or seven on the balance and seemed to be doing really well. Um, I didn't find out it's a political matter why they wanted to get the manager out. Um, the manager then got offered the Hong Kong job, um, and he said to me, look, I can't take you straight away. Um, I want you to go and work in uh, Japan. And I was like, I'm not really interested in this. Like, I've left the League 2 club at the time and I'm now being told, look, pack your bags on your own. You're going to Japan to work at a club team there. And it, this, this wasn't for me at all. And um, I just said, look, that's not for me. Um, but then when the, the manager resigned to take the Hong Kong job, um all our contracts so the assistant manager myself uh, sports scientist and physio um our contracts were linked to the gaffers so because he resigned um all our contracts become void so we got no payout at all so i was there for three months i signed a three-year contract um i was there for three months i got paid the three months i did that was it uh, and then by the time i obviously come back in august uh football league had start, started um obviously everyone was in a job so i was at a a point of view. Well, what what do I do? Um, luckily for me, I um, when I was in Japan, knowing what's happening that I'm potentially returning home, uh, I just went through my phone book one day, um, and I spoke to an agent at the time that that I knew and trusted, a fellow called James Feverston, who owns a company called Omnisports. Uh, and I said to him, look, this is where I'm at at the moment. Like, I'm coming back from Taiwan. Like, first of all, like my Question was, do you know of anything going coaches-wise? Uh, and he said straight away, look, the luckiest day you've called me. I went, I oh, go on. He went, because the company's based in Manchester. He said, I've just opened the London office di- today, uh, and he said, would you fancy working for me, sort of uh, not as an agent, but more as football recruitment, obviously with the, the knowledge and the the network I had. Um, would you like to work for me? Uh, and I'll be honest, I come back to England uh, and I met with um, with Fevers, James. Um I said to him like I have been offered an interview and I got offered the uh, Charlton Athletic Academy goalkeeper job again through through Steve Gallon, uh that I have obviously knew really well from years and years ago. Uh, so I had the interview there with with Charlton um and uh, the people there and they were brilliant. Um, got offered a job, uh and I turned it down, I went down the, the route of Omni. Um I think what people don't see as a coach is your holidays in May and June, that's it. Um, you miss a lot of things in life, you miss your your friends getting married, you miss parties, I mean it might not sound big but it's a collection of everything and you miss a lot, so yeah yeah, um, I decided to go down the the agent route uh, and I did it for a year Um, and I loved it, I loved it in terms of that I could do whatever I want in terms of I didn't have to be in a training ground at 8 o'clock in the morning um, I could do what I want from a daily base in terms of, um, because Fevers was based in Manchester, he knew I'd work hard, but I had no one really to to speak to in terms of like, just get on with your day. Um, so I got to go on holiday uh, in Australia at Christmas and bits and pieces like that, um, which you never do as a footballer and you never do as a coach, um, which I, I really enjoy. But then Catch-22 was I never had any structure uh, where before I'm used to you're being here at this time, uh, you've now got to be at this meeting or you've now got to coach at this time, where before it's literally make your own day. Um, and if I'm really honest, I really, really struggled with it uh, and I really struggled with thinking, right, I know these players at these clubs are they easily signed for, for me and the, the agency uh, and there's so many agents out there compared to players. You're fighting for everyone uh, and I really struggled with that. Um, and then luckily out of the blue, um, I went to meet a goalkeeper that I worked with at Swindon, a fellow called uh, Simon Moore, uh, and he said, "Look, I'm at Bisham Abbey with with MK Don's. Come, come meet me for a chat." So I went to Bisham Abbey to to see Si, at uh, Stuart Moore, and um, I um, Russell tapped me on the shoulder, and I forgot completely about Russell uh, that he was there. And obviously, I played with Russell as a a kid at Wickham. Um, had a conversation, literally 10-15 minutes, and um, about two or three months later, uh, Mr Moore rang me and said, um, your, your mate's got the job at MK. So I just text Russell saying like, brilliant, congratulations, uh, wish you all the best sort of thing for the season. Uh, I think my phone went about 10, 15 seconds later and said, you know, I'm calling you about you. I want you to be my goalie coach. Um, so then after speaking with Omni and they were brilliant, uh, they said to me, um, "If you if you want to go down the coaching route again, no problem. Uh, we'll let you go sort of thing, uh, and end up spending two years at w- uh, MK, sorry. Um, and obviously the, pr- the last 18 months, uh, I'm lucky enough that I got to go with Russell again to, to Swansea. So, like I said, it's, a, it's been an interesting journey. It's been a, a strange journey. In, in the previous, what, five years, I've had four clubs working previous 11 years, I've only had two. So it's changed a lot, but that's that's football.
2: Just, here and abroad as well. Would you say, you know, having looked back now, probably your biggest learning points?
3: Sorry, I didn't catch that. say my learn learning points.
2: Yeah, your biggest learning, po- uh, you know, on reflection.
3: Um, I think as you grow up naturally, you're you're open to the world more. You understand the world more. Um, I think. If I had my time again, I wouldn't have gone to Taiwan um, as much as I loved it out there. Um, I didn't know the manager and I didn't trust him personally, um, because I didn't, and that wasn't because of him. That's because I, I didn't know him. Um, but I found it strange that my first session there was um, the plan is we're all going to go to China and work in China t- in the club team. And I'm thinking I've joined Taiwan to be the, the national goalkeeper coach, not to work in. Um, in China. So I found that strange from, from day one. Um, I think it's obviously getting to know your your environment you're going into there. As I am saying, that the grass always isn't always greener. It's definitely not. Um, you hear all the time, like if you're an, an under-15 coach at say, I don't know, Crystal Palace. Um, oh, there's an under-18 job going at Charlton. I need to go there. Uh, where sometimes you're, you're better off staying at where you are. Um, understanding where you are valued as a coach
2: just, just on that then though you know it, it's an interesting point because that probably would hook a lot of people in in terms of jumping ship right yeah. but you know obviously we're speaking and reflection in hindsight what would you say that you know if you could go back to that moment then might be some of the questions that you might ask of yourself to to really establish for yourself actually is this the right thing
3: yeah well i think um i'd have gone in detail more with my contract for sure um it literally was an email, uh, and he kept saying to me, or the the Taiwanese government kept saying to me, look, just get it signed, just get it signed, just get it signed. Uh, looking back now, like um, I was 30 years old, um, I should have probably contacted people in the game that I, that I knew, where, like I said at the time, your, your ego maybe takes over a little bit, and you think, look, just get it done, and obviously the the value of the contract was was good enough to, for me to leave a League Two to go and pursue this. Um, definitely have people around you, you know and trust that, especially in the game as well, that maybe have done it. I think it's, it's not new now where people go abroad from England as coaches, and even as players, where 10 years ago it probably was a little bit more strange, like everything was the Premier League, the Premier League, the Premier League. Um, so this was what for me five years ago that I went to Taiwan. Even in them five years, the amount of players and coaches that have, have now gone abroad, I think it's a lot easier. And I think it might have been just the the wrong place at the right time. Um, as I said earlier, I've had a lot of luck in my journey anyway, where I have been in the right place at the right time. Maybe for for me this was the was the wrong place, wrong time. Um, so I'd have definitely I'd definitely delve more into into that experience from what I was going into. Um, what I loved about Omni Sports with the agency was, um, because of the contacts I had in the game, was understanding how the game works without being a coach, if that makes sense. So where before you're thinking, what, when you see players come in, why, why are they unhappy? Um, why are they speaking to this agent? Why What are they being told? Where when I was on the other side of the fence, I was seeing firsthand from agents what they were telling their players. Um, and I think what I, what I try to do from a an agent, so to speak, was I wanted to go down the route of the coaching background I had, where maybe you're not right for that club because of the the style of play, or I know there's a boy two years above you or two years below that they think really highly of, I don't think you're going to get enough game time, where players don't want to hear that. Players want to hear, I want to sign for an agent because they can get me a pair of boots and a a better contract. Um, And I think I was lucky at Omni, where Omni understood where I was coming from, uh, and they backed everything I did, where I know there's agents out there. Don't get me wrong, there's some really good ones in, in other companies, but there's some horrific ones as well. Uh, and I think when you when you see a lad sign for another agent that you know hasn't really got much real integrity for the lad, they just want to see what he's getting paid, what they're going to get. Where you, I was trying to go down the route of, right, I'm developing this player for this pathway, because I know the goalkeeper coach, for example, of that club, has an expertise in this side of the game. If I can get him there, the longer term picture is in three, four years he might come through it's to first. With
2: the, with the player's best interest at heart, isn't it? He's trying to make sure that they're in a good position because ultimately, if they're in it for a long for the long haul, yeah. then it probably you know that's for you right. adding more value to an extent.
3: Yeah, and one of my first meetings was with a, a young lad um, and his parents, um, and I sat down, and the dad said to me straight away. Um, he's speaking with three other agents already. I went, okay, that's that's fine. Like that's that's normal. Um, them three agents have offered me X amount of pounds for my son to sign. And I went, okay, I went, I, I don't offer you that. I went, that's not Omnisports to the company. And two, like, if you, if you think I should be paying for your son to be with me, then in my opinion, we're already off on the wrong foot. I went, I'm trying to improve your son. I'm not trying to help you financially as a parent. Um, if everything works, I'm sure your son will, will look after <clears throat> his family anyway. <clears throat> but when when you're dealing with players that parents are um trying to get involved financially, brings a lot of pressure on the lads. And I think that doesn't well it doesn't help at all. So that's where I knew maybe long term, right now, or right now it wasn't for me that side of the game. Who knows in ten, fifteen years if I if I do want to come out of coaching, will I maybe go down the avenue again? Possibly, I don't know. But that's um that's part of being in, in football, I suppose. Seeing the other side of the game? 100%. I mean, well,
2: obviously, you've got quite a wide range, wide range of experiences, Um, both obviously within the coaching perspective, you've had an insight around what it looks like to be a player. Um, and now, having kind of sat on the other side of the table of those, you know, those kind of agent player conversations as well, you know, what would your advice be to maybe some young coaches listening to this, thinking, right, maybe all agents aren't so bad and is the ways that we can kind of work together collaboratively with agents potentially yeah, just to support, support there, the young players?
3: There definitely is. There definitely is ways of working with the agents. Um, I've got some really good relationship with with agents now, um, and the best ones are the ones that generally understand the game. Uh, so what I mean by that is they haven't have to haven't had to play in the Premier League for five hundred league games, or whatever. They just understand where where their client is, as in terms of where they are right now in the game. And also where they're pitching their client. So like I, I have so many times where even now, like I get a phone call major, oh we've got a goalkeeper that's that'll fit your your club perfectly. Okay, what's he good at? I he booms it a mile. I went, Do you watch how we play as a club? Oh yeah, like he he can he can play as well. I'm going, You're just pitching pitching your player because you know me or whoever. I went, That's that's not helping your player at all because you're you then your name then goes around, oh, they're pitching this player here, they're pitching that player there, where if you have a proper link with an agent and the best agents are one that understand the club, they understand obviously the financial aspects of each club, so they're not pitching their player where the player might, I don't know, for example, 100 grand a week. You don't pitch your player on 100 grand a week to a League One club, where you'd be surprised what you you do here and what emails you get. Um, So 10 years ago, the coaches and agents, no, no, you don't get involved. Uh, where unfortunately, or however you look at, agents do have a big say in the game, a big, big say. Um, and the best agents are the one that their first question isn't about money. Their first question is about, is my player going to get a, a chance to show what they're good at? Um, and that's where the, the link happens. I've, I've probably got two or three agents in my phone book that I know and trust that their information I tell them regarding their client will stay between us. Uh, and the same same back where they ring me and say, look, I've got an issue with this player. Um, what do you think? Can you keep an eye on him? Um, that's that's where you go. Do you know what? He generally cares where you have agents that will, you'll never ever speak to and you could have the player five, six, seven years. You've never ever spoken to their agent because they just think he's just a number. The player's just a number. Um, so, yeah, I think there's definitely a place for it. Obviously, uh, you've got to be careful in what you do uh, as a coach. Because obviously, you hear these stories of people getting paid off, and that. it's just that's just a no-no. Um, it doesn't it doesn't work that. You're you're a coach. You're you're trying to develop the player on the pitch. You're not trying to gain any financial gain or anything like that. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's definitely a place for it um, because it's obviously it's, it's helping helping the club.
2: No, definitely and i think it's just good to keep trying to get that insight as well and i think i think the biggest thing that you kind of really unpacked throughout the whole conversation is just how important it is to build those relationships whether that be with players whether it be agents whether they be your academy manager whoever else you know that you're kind of interacting within within the game um even even the guy from taiwan as an example um, you know I'm, I'm conscious of time so That's i guess cool. you know on on a final note then you know if there was that one piece of information or maybe like a golden nugget if you like for coaches to kind of think about um, taken out from your own journey, what would that be?
3: It's uh, a good question. It's a good question. I would say value yourself as a person, evaluate yourself as a person, and evaluate yourself as a coach. Um, and what I mean by that is make sure you're doing everything right for the right reasons. Obviously, it is a job. You are, you have family, you have a mortgage, you haven't got to pay bills, um, but it's. As a coach, especially as a goalkeeper coach, because like I said earlier, it is so much more one-to-one, hands-on with players. Um, is know you're doing everything possible for that individual or that or that group of, of keepers, um, and just being really honest with them. Like you, the best coaches can sell to a player, you're not playing today because of X, Y, and Z. Um, player's are not going to be happy. We you know that, but just remember, it, it's it's never personal. You're as much as they might think it's personal. You're you're just trying to do it because you think that's where they are right now. And obviously, it's the, the manager's decision who he picks. You don't pick the team. Um, but yeah, just just being honest with yourself. And um, I think if you go into coaching thinking you know it all, you'll get found out really, really, really quickly. Uh, and if you think you're better than someone that's come through, if you're a coacher in the academy and you think you're better than someone that work at grassroots, um, it, it means nothing. You're, you're, you're still the same coaches. You're just working different players. Uh, it just might be that the person in the academy was right place, right time. Like I said earlier, um, I know I was. I, I was nothing special when I when I first started. I'm, I'm nothing special now, in my opinion. Um, but it's understanding what you're doing, why you're doing it, and is it beneficial for for them players.
2: Is it, is it, thank you very much. Really interesting conversation. Like I said, getting a brief insight around all your different experiences. Um, and that final point there, I think honesty is the best policy. I think coaches have been able to hold themselves accountable and recognise that whenever the finish are, when I guess the moment that we start to believe that is probably where we get left behind.
3: Definitely, definitely.
2: percent Dean, again, thank you very much for your time this evening. Really appreciate it, man.
3: You're more than welcome any time, yes, sir